going to ask Pastor Glenn if he would like to come up now and he'll bring you this morning's message. Um, thank you. At short notice and arranging a Sunday morning swap um, when my week filled up. You'll have Pastor Glenn this week and uh, myself next week. Hello, everyone. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We are continuing our study from the letters of Ephesians chapter 5. We are drawing almost to the end now. Another two more sermons after today. Ephesians chapter 5. And my sermon text is from 18 to 21. Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 21. But I would like to read from verse 15 to 21, just so that you can capture the flow of Paul's instruction to the people. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We have uh, mentioned that the word walk simply means a lifestyle. And we have been plowing through chapter 4 and chapter 5 now. And Paul has been giving some very practical advice. Now that you know who you are, this is how, how you ought to behave. These are your privileges. Now is your responsibility. So we have talked about walking in unity, walk in unity, walk in holiness. We talk about walk in love. And last week we looked at walk in wisdom. And this week from these four verses, 18 to 21, is walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? A.W. Tozer, many years ago, said that a Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for His people. As I mentioned last week, exploring the idea of do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And one, one part of the Lord's will is that we are spirit-filled. So Tozer is right in a sense that it is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for His people, and that is for us to walk in the Spirit. The charismatic they actually do not have the monopoly of the Holy Spirit. The person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, they are available to all believers, all Christians, all followers of Jesus Christ. We are to be Spirit-filled. And today we are going to tackle the text 
And so I want to just quickly observe from this four verses with three points, and it's all with the letter C. First and foremost is contrast. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? There's a contrast and a command, and then there's a consequence come with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Command, uh, contrast, command, and consequence. Look at verse 18 with me. It says here, verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. The word debauchery means excessive indulgence on anything, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can see that there's a contrast here between with uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and being drunk on wine. We're going to discover this morning that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just about getting more of the Holy Spirit as what people would think, being filled, constantly being filled in a sense. It's not getting more and more of the Holy Spirit as if that God gives us in, in a way that is dispensed slowly, the Holy Spirit, 10% and 15%. is not what... It means here, it is not about getting more of the Holy Spirit. It is actually about the Holy Spirit getting more of us. And also, you're going to find out later on that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an event. It is not a once-off experience as if the second baptism once-off and then you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not. It is actually a lifestyle. So it's not an event it is actually a lifestyle, and we're going to see that. So uh, the first thing we look at the first C about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is there's a contrast here between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being drunk on wine. And of course, it is not just in the aspect of the social side of getting drunk. Remembering that Paul writes to Ephesians in the context of Ephesus, where there is a lot of pagan worship, as we already mentioned way back in our first sermon about the, the culture, there is a temple, that Artemis is there, and all that kind of pagan worship. And so some people in the days of Paul, even in some cultures today, in, in, in my culture, especially in some ancient Asian religion where I grew up as well, and even now it is still very popular, that believe that the spirit world could be entered through drunkenness. If you want to be in touch with the spirit world, you get yourself intoxicated and get yourself some kind of trance into ecstasy, into drunkenness. So if you want to get contact with the spirit world or a dead ancestor for that matter, all you had to do was to get drunk, induce yourself into that kind of position and then to invite the Spirit to come. The Greeks even had a god of wine called Dionysus. And they believed that when you got drunk, this god came and inspired you or possessed you to do and say certain things. As some of us uh, in, you know, Chinese religion we are familiar with as being a medium and then you worship this particular God, you get into a trance and then inviting this particular God that you worship to enter into your body 
and then the devotees will come and you're able to dispense out word of advice to people who come and seek for uh, help and then burn some kind of talisman and, and into water and ask you to drink my help in, 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 in getting your son to pass your exam or something strange thing that we ask of this kind of gods. And so here, Paul is having in that context, is saying that instead of getting yourself drunk with wine and be in touch with the Spirit, but I'm telling you, no, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we all know, so what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What precisely is the point of comparison between wine and the Holy Spirit? And of course, we can safely say, doubtless, that the issue is the word influence or control. A person who is under the influence or control of wine, they experiences altered behavior. He or she may say or do things he would not ordinarily do. Emotions may be heightened, for a brief period, causing the person to experience anger, followed quickly by elation, followed quickly by depression. And if the person drinks enough wine, his mental processes will be affected and his decision-making ability will be radically altered. Almost always with a negative result. And when we talk about the word fill, fill with the Spirit, the word fill with, it means to say you are strongly influenced by that particular thing. So a person can be filled with anger. That means to say that he's controlled by the emotion of anger. The person can be filled with fear, meaning to say that he's been controlled by the emotion of fear, paralyzed by fear. Or we can say that the person is filled with jealousy or remorse or sorrow or pride or love or anxiety. Basically, what it means to say that you are being controlled by the particular emotion that it dominates your life until you're depressed, you're fearful, you, you feel anxious, you're angry, you're jealous, you're remorse, you're completely dominated and controlled by that particular emotions. So there's a meaning of filled with. That's what we often use. You're filled with anger. You're filled with jealousy. You're controlled, intoxicated, or you're permeated by that particular emotion. And so the Bible used the word filled with in the same way as being controlled or influenced or dominated. So the filling of the Holy Spirit then, when Paul said be filled, instead of being, being filled with uh, wine, get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, he said instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the filling of the Holy Spirit then in this context is the influence or control that Holy Spirit exercises over us when we yield ourselves to Him. So that is the meaning of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to control, influence us in the way we live our lives as we yield ourselves to Him. So to be filled with something therefore means to be under its control. For example, if a person who is drunk with wine, you're influenced by alcohol, you walk differently, 
you talk differently, you act differently, you think differently, you feel differently. And so in the same way, Paul contrasts that by saying a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is, also walks differently, also talks differently, acts differently, thinks differently, feels differently. So a person who is controlled by alcohol results in impaired judgment. Whereas a person who is controlled and influenced by the Holy Spirit has improved judgment, not impaired judgment. So we are greatly influenced by whatever it is that fills us. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit then is to be influenced by or controlled by or permeated by Him that we will reflect God's moral character and be strengthened by His power. So that is the meaning of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul, in his first point here, what it means to walk in the Spirit, he contrasts that with being, being controlled by wine. So the issue is control, influence. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is being influenced, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Let me move on to the second point I want to give to you. Second C is command, not just contrast, command. Here it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a command. It is not optional. It is the will of God for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And in the Greek language, the verb is in the imperative mood. It's command. This means that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a tentative proposal, but it is an authoritative command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is obligatory, not an optional part of the Christian life. Every Christian is to be filled with the Spirit all of the time. And if we are not, then we are not walking in His will that we talked about last week. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And one of the points of what it means to understand Lord's will is that God's will is for us, every believer, is to be filled and to be controlled, to be walk in the Spirit. So the first thing that we mentioned is that it is a command. It says here very clearly, imperative mode in the verb, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And secondly, uh, I need to mention is not just only it is a command, it is also in the present tense. In the present tense. Because again, the Greek present tense has the idea of a continual action. It is not a once-off. So we can, so we keep on doing something. It is not a one-time event that happened. It is a lifestyle. It's a continuous thing. So we could actually legitimately translate this verse this way. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Or some versions say, be constantly controlled by the Spirit. It's a present tense. It's not a once-off event. It is the continual, be constantly controlled by the Spirit. There is a version of the Bible called the Amplified Version. 
So if you read the Bible, your Bible will be thicker because they amplify the verse, they explain the verse and translate it in. It's quite refreshing reading that version. I hope you can get hold of that. And in amplified version, it catches the present tense in this verse. You say, but ever be filled and stimulated by the Holy Spirit. But ever be filled and stimulated by the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the normal way of life for the Christian. It is a present tense. So it's not just a command. It is also in the present tense that is continually, not a once-off event. Third thing that I need to mention is very important is that even though it is a command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can distinguish between a command as an active command or a passive command. And in this sense, it's be filled. It's a passive command. If it is a, a, a active command, it will be go and do this. Go and make disciples of all nations. It is an active command. Go to Safeway and buy a carton of milk. Uh, go and fill up the hole in the garden. Uh, that is a direct, active type of command. But here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it is in the passive voice. It is not in the active voice. Paul didn't say, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. But he says, be filled. He doesn't say, fill yourself with the Spirit, but he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the key to everything. To be filled means that the filling of the Holy Spirit is a work of God. Not us. He's not saying fill yourself. He's saying be filled. So while it is a command, it is a passive imperative mood, which means to say it is not from your work. It is a work of God. And so, just from this alone, we can simply just say that the Holy Spirit then, if you say, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not your work, but it is God's will for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's not your work, it's the work of God. It simply tells us that Holy Spirit, God is very willing to fill us at any moment. Because it is His work, it's not your work, and it is an imperative, it's a command that you're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not your work, but it's God's will, meaning to say that God is very much willing anytime would want to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And second implication from here is that we must make ourselves available to Him uh, when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll come to that a little bit later. The fourth thing that I want to mention under point number two is not just only it's a command, not just only it is a present tense or passive voice. The fourth thing it tells us that it is a plural command. This command is in the plural. As E. Paul was saying, let, let each and every one of you be filled with the Holy Spirit. So on one hand, that means the command is for every Christian. Yes, God intends and desires all His children will be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is, in a sense, because it's addressing to the church, which this is also a corporate command. The church then, as a church, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
That is the feeling of the Spirit is not something for my own personal edification. The feeling of the Holy Spirit is for us then to edify the entire body. God's Spirit imparts life-giving power that transforms the church from a social club or a religious gathering into a living body of Christ. And then, after that, we are going to see from verse 19, 20, 21, it's all about community. It's all about us being filled with the Holy Spirit, buying the church, building up the church. So it is a plural command. It's for the whole church to be filled with the Holy Spirit and using that as a way to edify and build up the church. And we can see that from verses 19 to 21 as I'm going to unpack that in my fourth point. So can I just quickly summarize before I come to uh, the third point in verses 19-21 on then the consequence. How do you know that you are filled with the Spirit? And Paul shows us four things of a Spirit-filled believers. Let's see, we can see that. So let me just quickly summarize so that you can get clearly uh, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Summarize under quick five points. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a matter of control. As we say, fill means control. Meaning that Holy Spirit controls us, has influence over our lives. That is the meaning of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's God's will for every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So no churches, no any particular affiliation or doesn't have the monopoly of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit works for all believers, for all churches, whatever persuasion that you, 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 you have. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's for every believer in Christ. The third thing that I want to tell you is being filled with the Holy Spirit is a process. It is not a once-off event that I've already mentioned. It is not about having 20 people lay hand on you and then ask you to speak in tongues and then when you speak in tongues, meaning to say that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is really in you. It is not. It is not biblical on that. It's a process because being filled is that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to control us. It is us then needing to surrender our life constantly to Him. The key word is surrender. I love this word. If there's any one word that to me define Christian living is surrender. Surrender. The more you allow God to take control of the areas of your life, the more you are being dominated and controlled by the Holy Spirit, the more then you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not about God filling us, it's about us letting go, creating more space to allow Him to invade and control and influence and dominate our lives. So that's the third thing. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a process, not a once-off event. Fourthly, being filled with the Holy Spirit cannot come from ourselves, as I already mentioned. It is God's work as in the, in the passive command that is mentioned, be filled. Uh, and therefore, it is the work of God wanting to fill us. The fifth point I have not mentioned uh, earlier in, in the first two points is that to me, if you look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, which I think uh, the KYB group, we just uh, finished this 
uh, section of it uh, last Thursday. If you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians is not too far away, just only a couple of pages to your right from, uh, from the book of Ephesians. Colossians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. If you turn to Colossians chapter 3, unfortunately we don't have PowerPoint here, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, it is almost identical. My, the, the four things that I'm going to touch on my point number three is almost identical. Here, you look at verse 16. It says here, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's almost identical of what Paul says in verse 16 and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. It's almost identical, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs uh, with gratitude in your hearts. Almost identical. But what is different is that instead, in this part of it, in verse 16, instead of saying, being filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul actually says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So to me, if I put the two texts, then my conclusion is being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually the same as letting the Word of Christ dwell in you. To me, that's identical. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and letting the Word of Christ dwell richly in you. Because the outcome of it, as Paul spells out in verse 17 of verse uh, 16 in Colossians 3 and Ephesians chapter 5, the consequence of it is exactly the same. But he just swapped being filled with the Holy Spirit with let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. So the fifth thing that I'm summarizing is being filled with the Holy Spirit is the same as letting the word of Christ dwell in you. Filling your mind, meditating on God's Word. The more you do that, you're letting the Holy Spirit live in you. The more you're surrendering your lives to Christ. So, the first point is uh, the contrast and a command. And the third point is consequence. What now? Now that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, how can I tell that as a Christian that I'm actually Spirit-filled? How do I know? How, am I surrendering more and more to Christ? Maybe it's a good thing. Four points here from the remaining uh, verses here tell us how can I tell when I'm Spirit-filled. Some Christian and churches say it is easy to know if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. All that they ask is, do you speak in tongues? As if to say that if you speak in tongues, it is an evidence that you have, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I care to defer that. But Paul says here, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. So allow me to give you four points. 
Why I think it's connected to this, because there are four participles in verses 19 to, to 21. Four participles, and this, all the four participles, they're connected with the word be filled. So it has to come from, so the evidence, four evidences of, of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit then is to speak, to sing, to give thanks, and to submit. Four participles connected with the word be filled. Participles never stand by themselves. They are always attached to a verb, and the verb is be filled. And so these four participles is speak, sing, giving thanks, and submit. So let me give you four evidences of uh, one, someone who is being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first one is joyful fellowship. It says here, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, in verse 19, Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Joyful fellowship. The text of these songs take the form of mutual exhortation, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I want you to notice how we don't speak to one another if we are spirit-filled. You don't speak to one another in anger, in rage, malice, slander, filthy language as mentioned in Colossians 3 as well, curse, swear, gossip, deceit. People who are spirit-filled are not speak, don't speak that way. It says here, speak to one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's mutually exaltation, encouraging one another. Admonishing one another, as uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3 says. So the first thing of the evidence of the spirit-filled Christian is a joyful fellowship with Christians. You enjoy that coming together for Bible study or chit-chat or building one another and encouraging one another, listening to one another and just helping one journey of life because we can't run alone. Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, said the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. It is the incomparable joy and strength to the believer. The second evidence of a spirit-filled Christian is not just joyful fellowship, but heartfelt praise. Heartfelt praise. It says here in the second part of 19, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. If you are spirit-filled, you will sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says that praise is the beauty of a Christian. What wings are to a bird, what fruit is to the tree, what the rose is to the thorn, that is praise to a child of God. Praise is the beauty of a Christian. Heartfelt praise to God. A.W. Tozer said, Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Because heaven is what we're going to do. So if you find worship singing boring, then you're not ready for heaven. 
They are filled with plenty of beautiful praises in the book of Psalms, as Pastor Caroline has already read in Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let all that is within me bless His holy name. Psalm 63, verse 3, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And there are so many verses. Psalm 33, I listed down in my notes here. So many, I just don't have the time to read through. Psalm 33, sing for joy in the Lord. Oh, you righteous one, praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord. Psalms 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalms 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalms 98, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. Psalms 100, shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Psalms 147, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. Psalms 149, Psalms 150. There are tons and tons of verses in the Bible that tells us that when your spirit feels, it's a heartfelt praise to God. The third thing about spirit-filled, the evidence of a spirit-filled believer is abounding gratitude. Not just joyful fellowship, heartfelt praise. And the third thing in verse 20 is abounding gratitude. The third evidence of being spirit-filled is abounding gratitude. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul in his letters constantly, repeatedly give thanks to God and he always encourages readers to follow his example. And here, he said to give thanks to God in everything and for everything. The grumbling spirit is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. Grumbling was one of the persistent sins of the people of Israel. As we have studied the book of Exodus last year, you know that, you read through it, you know the grumbling was one of the persistent sins of the people of Israel. They were always murmuring, complaining, grumbling against the Lord, against Moses. But the Spirit-filled believer is full, not of complaining, but of thanksgiving. Is the gratitude that flows out of your life as abounding as the grace that has flowed into your life? That is the question you need to answer. Is the gratitude that flows out of your life as abounding as the grace that has flowed into your life? I want to clarify one thing because sometimes uh, people who read are a bit more cynical by nature when they, when they come to this verse and say, really? Give thanks to God for everything? How? Are we to give thanks to God for COVID? Are we supposed to give thanks to God for cancer? Are we supposed to give thanks to God for problem in Afghanistan? 
Because everything, you say everything, you know, everything means everything, right? Everything includes evil. So, so I want to clear this part of it just by mentioning that we must not press this word literally, for we cannot thank God for absolutely everything, including blatant evil, because evil is never of God. To give thanks for evil is at best a dangerous half-truth and at worst, blasphemous. So the Bible tells us that God hates evil, abhors evil, and that we are to resist evil. So we are not to give thanks for the devil's work and for all the evil that is in the world that which affects all of our lives. We are not to give thanks for those things. So then, the everything for which we are to give thanks to God then must be qualified by its context. Namely, which he says here, what? Give thanks for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. So our thanksgiving is to be everything which is consistent with the loving fatherhood of God and the self-revelation He has given us in Jesus Christ. So please don't give thanks to God for, for uh, evil and don't use this verse to say everything, meaning to say includes evil. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ here, qualified it, consistent with the loving fatherhood of God and the self-revelation of Jesus Christ. So spiritual people are thankful people. There are people who are always thankful, regardless of the problems, regardless of the trials that we may be facing. We are grateful and thankful to God. Not for the problems themselves, of course. They are thankful in or during all problems and trials, believing that God sovereignly can use all situations to further His work. Spirit-filled people are thankful to God in the name of Jesus Christ because they recognize that all the blessings of God flow to us through Jesus. Rick Warren say, Happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. Every moment, thank God. So, that evidence of a spirit-filled believer, abounding gratitude. And finally, the last one is reverent submission. Verse 21. Reverent submission. The fourth way we can know we are spirit, we are filled with the Holy Spirit is reverent submission. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For Christ's sake, submit to one another. Submission does not mean being dormant, but it does mean considering others and putting others first. Submission is the willingness to give up our right to ourselves, to freely surrender our insistence on having our own way all the time. Or some people like to say, my way or no way, or my way or the highway, you know. Uh, but, a person who is submissive, a spirit-filled believer, they will know how to submit themselves to one another. It is, they are humble, they are gentle, they are meek. They are not proud, they are not aggressive, they are not self-exertive. Their reverence for Christ is the source of 
His humility. We will pick this verse up again as we deal with the next section in two weeks' time about family, about husband and wife, about uh, parents and children, about employer and employees. The hinges on this verse 21, submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. So four evidences, joyful fellowship, heartfelt praise, abounding gratitude, reverent submission. Those are the evidences of a spirit-filled believer who is letting the Holy Spirit control and dominate and influence their lives. I want to close just by telling you that, you know, you can't feel something, you can't feel a jar if the jar is already full of something else. You can't feel what is already full or imagine an empty jar with the lid screwed on tight. You just can't fill that jar either. So some of us, we are full of ourselves, and therefore we have no room for Holy Spirit in our lives. Some Christians have simply closed their heart to the work of the Holy Spirit because of some excessive abuse of certain, certain segment of the uh, Christians, and therefore in reacting to it, we swing to the other extreme. And reaction, reacting is never a good way. The better way is to respond because when we react, we often swing to the other extreme by continuing con, con, completely shut off. So all that I want to close off by saying that when we want to be filled and allow Holy Spirit to live in us, you must have a sense of need in your life. Say, Lord, I'm empty. I need to be filled by your Spirit. I'm going to empty myself, Lord. And secondly, there must be a willingness. So there's a need and there's a willingness. Lord, I'm open to you. Let your spirit fill me now. So that's how we walk in the spirit. And I pray and I hope that as we journey together as a body of Christ, as a Christians, individually and as a church pathway, we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, abounding gratitudes, heartfelt praise, joyful fellowship and reverent submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me just invite you to join me in prayer. Father, we want to ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we may live a life pleasing to you. We want our life to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are empty. We need to be filled. Thank you for forgiving our sin through the death of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. It is your will that we walk in the Spirit. Please, Lord, empower us so that we can be salt and light in this world. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you entrust, you are given to us so that we can live the Christian life. It's not just about willpower. It's not how disciplined we are. Uh, it is about letting go, surrender, and say, Holy Spirit, come and lead in my life. Lead me, guide me, so that I can live lives that honor you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, invite you to uh, sing the closing song. But remember, we're going to have a virtual morning tea. 
after the closing song, maybe take a break five minutes and join us. We haven't seen each other for a while. Join us uh, as we catch up. So let me invite you to uh, sing these songs. Just sing and make music in your heart to the Lord with this beautiful song. Thank you. Amen. strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in
Imagine it.